please note that this series of podcasts was written and recorded prior to the events of July 7, 2021. These podcasts are focused on how we arrived at the current crisis. But we would be remiss to not make note that Jovenel Moise was assassinated in the early hours of July 7. In the coming days, as we know more, we hope to release further podcasts with more information. Join us in praying for our friends in Haiti, for the security situation in the country, and for the family of Jovenel Moise. My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. This is the third of a three-part series on the current crisis in Haiti. In the last two parts, we discuss the origin of gangs in Haiti and the breakdown of the government. It is at this time that Hannah and I moved to Haiti in December 2019. So in this episode, I can speak more from a personal perspective on living in a gang-run country. I will depart from the neat chronological narrative and try to give a snapshot picture of Haiti today. To refer to Haitian armed groups as gangs is more a testament to the lack of versatility of the English language than an accurate description. When an American hears the word gang, it conjures up images of an American-style group. While American gangs may be reviled for crime, there are also celebrated ex-gang members like Snoop Dogg and 50 Cent. In Haiti, on the other hand, gangs are universally hated, detested, and abhorred. There is absolutely no sympathy. Although in my experience, gang members make up less than 5% of the population, they hold the other 95%, including women and children, in fear. The term gang should likely be exchanged for warlord. This better captures the situation. Although gangs come in all shapes and sizes, there are a handful that are the truly powerful players in the country of Haiti. They have their territory, and often these are no-go zones for the police. For example, a little slum near the port in Port-au-Prince has not been successfully entered by the police since 2018. This year, a SWAT team with armored vehicles attempted to penetrate the area. Their tanks were burned by the gangs, the police officers were killed, and their bodies mutilated. What makes this vile story even more surprising is the fact that this particular slum is a little less than a mile from the Haitian National Palace and seat of the government. Or let's take another example. When you picture Haiti, it is in the shape of the reverse letter C. Port-au-Prince is in the middle of that C. To get anywhere in the south part of the country, that, that bottom part of the sea from Port-au-Prince, you are required to pass through a narrow little zone along the coast. Everywhere around is unpassable mountains. This little pass is called Matissan. I think of it a little like Thermopylae, if you remember the movie 300. Unfortunately, gangs have now taken complete control of this zone. Banks have been looted. As this is the primary unloading zone for fuel oil, there is no gas or diesel in the city of Port-au-Prince. The gangs have conveniently posted toll rates for cars and trucks that want to pass through the area. 18,000 internally displaced people have been forced from their homes and are living in relief zones in churches and gymnasiums. Again, this is 1.5 miles from the seat of the Haitian government. Every inch of Port-au-Prince is ruled by a gang of some form or another. The majority of businesses must pay protection money to their local gang. And our American mindset might say, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Why don't they just invest in security? You might think differently when you realize that these warlords outgun any Peasley security guards you might have. A few weeks ago, the car dealerships, some of the wealthiest businesses in Haiti, refused to pay the gangs in their area. Gang members with automatic weapons poured into their businesses, set them on fire, and killed employees. There are gruesome pictures of gang soldiers dragging corpses off to burn them. 
Do these warlords have any organization, you might ask? Absolutely. In 2020, nine of the most powerful gangs partnered together to form an organization they call the G9. Although the chutzpah of the name is funny, their actions are anything but. In the last few episodes, we introduced the primary characters of the current crisis, the Duvaliers, Aristide, Jovenel Moise, but you cannot talk about the current situation without talking about the head warlord for G9, a man who goes by the name Barbecue. If you read about the situation in Haiti in the international news, you will invariably come across mention of Barbecue. A former police officer, he was nebulously involved in a massacre while in the force several years ago. Once he was charged with this, he went underground, and the next time we heard from him, he was the head of a fearsome gang in the commercial district of Delma. After allying with several other gang heads and committing a gruesome massacre in a Port-au-Prince slum in 2018, he drew the attention of even other nations as an outlaw. And I think one of the grand questions in much of this is how much is the government involved? G9 is traditionally thought to be pro-government. Now you might think, what does that even mean? Well, it's unclear, and there are no official sources, obviously, to quote, so I will give you a few ideas from living there. Now, in many countries, when we say corruption in government, we think of the head of a cartel paying off a judge or an important person in the government. They might do this to avoid prosecution or to allow them to ship out drugs. Haitian warlords, to the contrary, have no need to pay off government officials. Because gangs can assassinate and murder at will, most officials are forced to comply with demands. Payments work the other way around. Traditionally, gangs are paid off by the government to convince them not to cause disorder and chaos. So, for instance, if there is an important referendum, the government might pay off gangs to avoid violence in the run-up to the election. Further, the government might use gangs to settle scores with opposition forces. Now sit with that for a minute. The government actually has to pay off gangs to control them. And I sympathize with the powerless government in this. What choice do they really have? Perhaps the government is not actually paying barbecue. I can't speak to this. But at the very least, they allow him to run free. Recently, Barbecue was shot in the chest in a fight with another gang member. Even myself, a foreigner living in another part of the country, knew within a couple hours in which hospital he was being treated. The whole population knew. It was all over message groups and social media. And yet, there was not even an attempt at an arrest. Kidnapping has become the growth sector in the Haitian economy. While in the past, powerful politicians and wealthy individuals funded gangs for their own protection, gangs are increasingly turning to kidnapping as a source of revenue. True statistics are unavailable for the country, but suffice it to say, but suffice it to say that I have many, many colleagues whose family members have been kidnapped. It is an efficient business. The target is taken and brought to one of the many no-go zones in the country, places where the government can do nothing to extract the hostage. Negotiations occur, families and churches gather what they can, and settle on a price, and then the exchange occurs. While in 2020, coronavirus and political issues raged in Haiti, the average citizen could talk of nothing more than crime. If you made a list of issues facing the country, it was problems one, two, and three. And when I talked with residents, I asked them why this time was worse than others. Certainly, Haiti has had its share of difficulties to face. However, in the past with civil wars and coup d'etats, these issues were time-limited and focused in certain areas. Perhaps there was an opposing army coming toward the capital, but all you had to do was avoid the battle area. Obviously, it's not always that simple, but the point still stands that a war has certain areas that can be raging while other zones are completely normal. With the current crisis, the violence can be anywhere at any time. Your children cannot go to school without you fearing for their safety. You can be kidnapped on your way to the market. Nowhere is safe. While this podcast is not about us, per se, I cannot help but inject my own feelings. 
living in Haiti currently feels like living in a country with no government. Every trip on the road is scary. Traveling after dark is out of the question. And I must go back to the fact that 95% of Haitians are not these people. I know hundreds of Haitians, and I know no gangsters. The average Haitian is simply a victim, and there are no easy answers. I do not presume to be smart enough to suggest a path forward for Haiti. Almost all I can say is that there are 11 million people, minus perhaps 50,000 warlords, who are caught in the grinds of a situation they didn't ask for. And yet, Haitians are resilient people. You might think that Haitians are huddling in their homes, but they are not. They cannot. They continue to try to work despite the difficult realities. Dads walk their children to school to protect them. The Lespati Moon Clinic has not been closed for a single day in 2020 or 2021, no matter what has happened. All I can say is that I want to be on the side of Haitians in this fight, to ally with them in this time of suffering. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we've seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti, or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.